0: What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week, we are 100% British, uh, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Uh, with Shane and Kevin unavailable this week, it's just me and producer Craig back to bring you our thoughts on the weekend's loss to Detroit. And plus, we're going to go old school as it's a short week as well. So we'll be looking ahead to week 12, this time on the road in Dallas on Thanksgiving. Uh, Craig, how you doing, buddy?
1: Yeah, not too bad, um, considering, you know, it was pretty Downtrodden trodden on Saturday. It was a depressing watch, I feel, for any other fellow Giant fan who had to watch that like I did live, because it was not pretty.
0: No, it wasn't pretty, and I'm
1: guessing you mean Sunday, not Saturday.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: Sunday. It, it feels like a, a million years ago. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm, I'm quite glad I was at work on Sunday evening, to be fair. I mean, I watched the game back since then. I mean, we'll go into it in a minute, but just didn't really turn up, did we? And, I mean, I said last week, I said on last week's pod, on our, on our preview, it could be a trap game and I was in and ahhing about whether to go with a Giants win or Giants loss and, you know, heart overruled my head and I went for a Giants win um, and that turned out to be a little bit of a mistake. Yeah, obviously Giants dropped to seven and three on the season. That's in the game where we all picked the Giants to come out on top. So maybe like a little bit of overconfidence started to creep in. Um, the only one who actually got it correct and predicted the game result was uh, our guest Matt from the Roar of the Lions UK podcast evening. Matt. So yeah, not a great game, not a great way to sort of end, end the week. Really, it sort of it started going wrong fairly early on. To be honest, uh, the Lions now on obviously a three-game win streak. They they looked every part of that three-game win streak. You know, Dan Campbell sort of starting to bring his team back. And, you know, the first part of the season, the Lions looked awful. They're now looking like a, a, a contender in the NFC at least. And, you know, the Giants looked pretty lost for the first time this year under under Coach Dable. really. Jamal Williams ran for three touchdowns. And really, like I said, we're, there maybe was a bit of overconfidence, but it was still, you know, we were going into the game as three-point favourites. And we were favourites on the money line as well. So, it was a bit of an upset, you know, thirty-one eighteen. Um, Detroit won two games on the road in a row. And like I said, everything that could have gone wrong really did go wrong. You know, turnovers, injuries, sloppy play, sloppy play calling. Um, there wasn't really any anything to shout home about. You know, there were some brief little high points and brief little sort of Good things about the game, but even Mister Automatic Graham Gano missing not just one but two PATs. Granted, one was down to the wind, um, but the other one hit the upright. So, all in all, it's just a, a bad day at the office for the Giants.
1: Yeah, thirty-one. Even at thirty-one twenty, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference to the result, does it? You know, if those two PATs are, are made by Gano, no, it was just it, it. It was shocking across the board, really, from the from the get go. We. We didn't, you know, we couldn't get anything going on offense and defense. Couldn't get off the field. It was, yeah, it was poor, poor across the board.
0: Yeah, it wasn't great. But we move on seven and three, still, you know, in massively in contention in the NFC. You know, see, we're what half a game back on Dallas now in the division, but as, by virtue of their of their win in week three. So it's a it's a huge game coming up this weekend. It's a massive game coming up this weekend. Uh, I'm going to pass over to you to go through some uh, some quick stats from this game uh, in a section that we're going to call our big blue breakdown. Uh, so Craig over to you mate.
1: Yeah, so these are just a, a few sort of quick fire things that came out from the game uh the weekend um that were big contributions or either some you know some stats that explain last time things happened, etc. so yeah, uh the Giants lost the turnover battle three to nothing, which as we've already said in previous weeks, you win the turnover battle, you normally win the game. So that went as, as expected. Um 31 points allowed by the Giants was the most since a 34-10 loss to Philly last boxing day. Um we did gain 413 yards uh in the game and had 25 first downs, both which were our second highest totals of the season after 436 yards and 27 first downs at Jacksonville earlier on. Um, After committing no offensive turnovers in our last three games and uh, only in four of our last five, um, we had a season-high three giveaways against the Lions, including two interceptions from Daniel Jones, both
0: avoidable. Both avoidable.
1: Avoidable is the right word there. Yeah.
0: And it, that thing is that doubled his interception total for the season from two to four. So, yeah, not a great, not a great uh, showing from him. Well, I say not a great showing from him. Numbers wise, it looks pretty healthy, but yeah. you know, there there's some reasons for those high numbers.
1: We're also penalized quite heavily in the game eight penalties for 63 yards, which is never going to help the cause of a few key penalties, including. A couple. There were a few penalties in the game by the refs that just didn't make any sense. The one on uh, McFadden. I mean, that's it's not DPI. It's not. No, it's not at all. Is. And the thing that annoys me more about them calling that DPI is that Robinson had a call that wasn't given against him that probably, again, again, was probably not DPI, but was exactly the same as what McFadden had done. So exactly. Where's the consistency? Yeah, it's the consistency that you want.
0: I mean, one one that stood out for me as well that I thought was a bit was questionable was the um, roughing the passer penalty on. On Jimenez. Yeah, like, come on, come on, no, that's not roughing.
1: Going off people hitting the quarterback. Giants surrendered two sacks, uh, and on the other side of the defense, we didn't have a sack or a takeaway for the second time this season. It also happened on. 26th of September against our upcoming opponent, Dallas, which was also a home loss, so it just shows no takeaways, does not help. We had a very poor rushing game, we'll we'll come into that a bit later, but we averaged just 3.4 yards per rush, Barkley averaged 1.5, which is, you know, that that's a shocking stat, but as you know, as we'll mention later, there's not much Saquon can do if he's not given the lanes to run into, which was not happening. Um, Detroit themselves rushed for four touchdowns, the three that Dan previously mentioned by Jamal Williams and also one by DeAndre Swift. Uh, It was the most rushing touchdowns against the Giants since Seattle ran for five scores back in 2014. Uh, again, as mentioned, Gano missed both of his extra point attempts, first time in his 184-game career, including the postseason that he's missed more than one. And... The Giants lost the time of uh, time of possession stat as well. Thirty-one minutes, forty-eight to twenty-eight minutes, twelve. Which you know we're normally quite good at, at grinding out that clock towards the end of the game. Which unfortunately happened to us this time.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, I think the key stat of all of that is turnovers. You like I said, you win the battle of turnovers, it gives you a good chance to win the game. You lose the battle of turnovers, it doesn't doesn't uh doesn't usually end well. Um, Yeah, that that sort of lions running game um, is really sort of one of the defining you know parts of the game. The fact that we just could not stop the run. Um, They did an excellent hole finding, excellent hole, an excellent job finding the holes in our defensive line, and they they took advantage of it. They really did. Uh, Jamal Williams had a fantastic game. Their offensive line had a fantastic game as well. I thought. you know we've just not defended the run well all season. I think we um, were last in the league with regards to um, rushing yards per attempt. At, I think it's five point five. We gave up one hundred and sixty rushing yards on thirty-seven carries against Detroit, with those four touchdowns as well. Just poor, poor showing. And this weekend we come up against another sort of powerful duo in in Tony Pollard and Zeke and Zeke Elliott. So. It's going to be a, a tough game on Sunday, uh on Thursday. Um Justin Jackson was leading Russia with uh, 66 yards and nine carries. Um Jamal Williams now leads the league in rushing touchdowns with 12, you know, 64 yards and 17 carries. And DeAndre Swift had another touchdown in the second half and had 20 yards and five carries. So their run game was they were they were loving life and it sort of, it took the, really took the pressure off Jared Goff. Um and he made some crucial plays when he needed to. Uh, convert converting. Um, I haven't done a third down conversion rate, but I know he converted our uh, quite on, on a few key third downs, and um, to keep the um keep the chains moving and and keep our offense off the field. And I think it was a really well managed game by Detroit. Um, and they fully deserved the win. Um, one another thing I was really disappointed by was our, our pass rush. Um, you know the fact that we got was it ten total pressures. Um on the quarterback. It just just wasn't good enough. Uh Dexter Lawrence led the team of two. He hit the quarterback once. And we hit the quarterback a total of three times. Um just it, there was our pass rush was completely negated by their offensive line. Um and their um their fullback as well. I can't I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he had an outstanding, I thought he had an outstanding game. As their lead blocker, um, he he did he so many times he could just create the holes for their backs to run through. I think there's at least two of their touchdowns he just created a hole and he, they, yeah just almost went through untouched. But yeah, our pass our our pass rush seemed to just to struggle and our, and our, you know our run defense seemed to struggle this week as well. So all in all, not a great showing from our defense
1: yeah no i totally agree um you know our pass rush was just ineffective could not get near jared goff um he was able to roll around uh you know out, outside of the pocket he was able to make as you said key passes um i think there was one to I think it was Raymond, their, their wide receiver Raymond who um, unfortunately jihad Ward ended up line lining up against um, who you know Raymond caught the pass after Jared Goff had all the time in the world and converted a key third down and that you know that, that's where they really hurt us. Um, one of my keys to the game <laughs> was um, Dory Jackson's injury, which
0: <sighs> so angry.
1: Yeah, it's got. I tell you what, it's probably the the most angry I've been all season. In oh yeah, all season for just a specific thing, like not just an overall like defense or pass rush rate. Just the specific thing because a Dory Jackson should never have been fielding punts. The only time he should have ever been out there fielding punts is if he caught it, and that was it. Straight down, da- fair catch or straight down, you know. Obviously, he took he took the punt, and it looked like it to me at first. It looked like he had he obviously hadn't called for a fair catch, but the way he caught it and just stopped, it looked like he thought in his own head that he had. And it was only after that that he realised, "Oh, I haven't." I haven't he tried to make, probably. yeah, I'll, I'll try and make three yards, and by then there were the the player swarmed. Around him, you know, both sides, and you just just asking for, for trouble when you've got that many bodies and that many legs all tangled together. We said last week it was it was a poor decision to allow a Dory Jackson. Like, I don't understand how you can have wide receivers on your practice squad and not have them return punts. Yeah, it's Kenny Galladay. <laughs> just anyone. Any how can you how can you not have a specialist on your team who can just do a job? We thought that specialist was Richard James, didn't we? Well, we did, yeah. But, like, Adoree Jackson's your number one cornerback. Yep. Like, he, he, he arguably one of our best and most consistent players this year. Yeah, and not only like the, this year. Yeah, and not only is he great in coverage, which is something that we badly need when, you know, we've got players who admittedly have played well, like Moreau and McLeod back there. You need Adoree. And, but he makes plays in the run game as well. Like he's so quick, he's able to burst forward. It's just I don't get it. It literally the biggest bad decision by Daybol that he's had.
0: When when the uh, when the message came through in the group chat that he, he's got he'd gone down. I know. I think you 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 messaged me individually, didn't you? Yeah, because the other the other two weren't watching. But when you messaged me saying that Dory injured, I'm like, but. Fuck's sake! <laughs> like
1: multiple angry faces when <laughs> when in the. It's like come on, really? It's not like it was large quantities in two games. He returned three punts and got five yards. Like I'd I'd rather Pimpleton was bought up and just a fair caught it every time. Yep. like it, we we lose five yards. Who cares? Yep. who cares? It didn't make those, those five yards
0: that he returned the ball probably made well made no difference so no. why why put cb1 in that position to get injured and now miss four to six weeks with a mcl sprain you know essentially if if, if it is six weeks he's essentially going to now miss the rest of the regular season so frustrating and so just so unnecessary for him to be there i can't imagine wink's happy mate i can't I, i'd be i'd be fucking screaming uh um, McGay here, the special teams coordinator. I'd be like, the, why the f- are you taking my number one cornerback and putting him in punt return? But at the same time, like he needs to be having that conversation with with coach as well and saying like, why our defense is now it's understandable. I mean, you know, the whole next man up mentality is there, but the un- the defense is now quite clearly and understandably weaker because Adore Jackson's is not going to be on the field, and he's been playing, like I said, lights out this season. So it's just yeah, so frustrating, so frustrating. Uh, but another thing I wanted to bring up as well was, you know, our our run game. Um, Barkley just they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, I know Matt Breeder had a as a jet sweep uh, fourth down conversion, wasn't it? Which I think was the longest run of the game, um, but he just could not get anything going. Um, was it 1.5 yards per carry on average Barkley had? if you know, 15 carries for 22 yards in total. It's like, nah, shock him. Um, but that comes down to the offensive line. And the interior offensive line were awful. Absolutely awful. I mean, Glowinski went out injured. So Nick Gates come in uh, at centre. But Shane Lemieux and John Feliciano, Glowinski uh, went down injured. Feliciano went out injured, didn't he? Yeah. By my bad, but yeah, Shane Lemieux, I mean, as as I said before we start recording, and as you as you rightly said, he got a grade of zero on PFF for um, pass defense, didn't he? Pass blocking, and on yeah. run, he was just as bad.
1: Yeah, I think he was one of the lower
0: lowest. Shane sports. Lemieux, you're absolute dog shit, mate. <laughs> you are absolutely <laughs> awful. You know the the lions the lions defense the lions defensive line played a, a solid a really solid game. You've got to create holes for for Barkley to run through, and you know he's he's at the stage in his like stage in his career where he's now got his confidence back. He's not scared to run straight through the you know straight through the tackles, and he just there there was no room for him. He tried and tried and tried, bless him, and he didn't get anywhere. And which is why then we then had to go to the go to the air and go, you know Dan Jones had to take over. I mean the only luck we really had on the ground was, you know, by Dan Jones. But they were all designed. Well, most of them were designed plays for him. There's a couple of RPOs I know, but most of them were designed runs for Dan Jones. And you know he averaged seven seven yards a carry and scored a touchdown. Um, just. Really poor overall, 26 carries, 89 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Yes, we had two touchdowns on the ground, but just not good enough. Longest run of 15 yards out of the whole game. And, yeah, I just haven't got anything else to say about it apart from it was really really poor. Offensive line, poor. And, uh, you know, it ended up our run game being really poor and Saquon having his, his worst game in recent memory, as far as I can remember.
1: Probably since last season,
0: yeah. I mean, for the for the league's leading Russia to only have 25, uh, 22, 22 yards on fifteen carries, it's unforgivable. You know, that should that should be fifteen carries for almost a hundred yards, not twenty two. Come on.
1: No, and and you're right. The, the offensive line just they offered nothing. I mean, it it looked like. Barkley was running into a brick wall every time. There was not a single hole and, you know, props to the Lions defensive front and it's not often that I call out individual players when I'm doing the the tweet-alongs but as I did, I had to call out um, Aiden Hutchinson. I think he, yeah, was, a great game. he was what a stud. He is.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously I went on the uh, the roar of the Lions last week and they, they threw a question out who do you think has a better game? Cave on Tibberdale, Aidan Hutchinson. And I said, Aidan Hutchinson, I think he'll have a better game. And lo and behold, he had a better game.
1: Yeah. I mean, his drop into pass defense when yeah. Daniel Jones threw his first interception yeah, uh, great, was fantastic. Great
0: read, him, great read by him, great play by him. It was his second pick of the season, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, which uh, ironically is the exact same amount that Source Garden has got. Yeah.
0: And it's the exact same amount as our whole defense for the whole season's (laughs) got.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he, Hutch was just something else. I mean, the performance that he put in against us proves why he is in the conversation with the defensive rookie of the year without a doubt. And why he was so highly touted to go as number one.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he had, he he had a, he had a great game. He really did.
1: The other, the other key moment for me, uh, I wanted to talk about was, um, was Jones, um, he obviously had the interceptions. We know that. We, we've spoken about the the one to Aiden Hutchinson uh, where I'm not sure if he just didn't see him.
0: I don't think he saw him um, drop in there.
1: It, he either saw him and didn't put enough lift on the ball to get over Hutch to go yeah. to Slayton, who obviously was was free on a, uh, what I think was a crossing route. And I yeah. think he, he would have picked up extra yardage after that. You know so if you didn't see him okay, that's fine. The second one though was was even worse. I mean, he's he's overthrown um Kager, uh, who would have again probably would have caught the ball, he's just overthrown him. Um, and Lions, Kirby Joseph, I think yeah. it was, he was the one who um who picked it off and then yeah, was able to rumble back. I mean, the first interception was a, an instant red zone opportunity for the Lions, which they They took advantage of punching a touchdown. The second one uh, was a run back. Uh, Kirby Joseph ran it back, I think, something like 28 yards or something to R34. And again, I think that one ended in a touchdown as well. So, you know, we've given away 14 points there off two... points off turnovers. Two errant throws that... That's the game right there. It is. And I don't want to get into a rant about this, but there's a little part of me that feels like I have to, because there's a lot of people who are saying, well, Dan Jones, you know, he's had a couple of interceptions dropped and he's made some inherent throws and he's he's missed wide open receivers and stuff like that. And I think what te- people tend to forget is that, yes, Daniel Jones's fifth year option hasn't been picked up. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on him this year because he needs to obviously perform in the system that he's got right now. Yes, we know he's got shit wide receivers and he can't throw ball the ball to himself and he's just having to make do with what he what he has but to come in and say that this proves why Daniel Jones shouldn't be the starter next year to me is is rubbish I mean you only have to look at the other side of MetLife and look at the Jets quarterback and how he did this this last weekend I mean he was absolutely shocking and yes admittedly the Jets are, Jets fans are calling for, for him to be dropped but I just don't think that one bad game by jones and two in you know throws that that ended up costing us heavily with the fourteen points is enough to turn around and go oh this is why he shouldn't be here next season he's trash every every player is allowed a bad game if we all had perf- if we all had perfect games then it, you know it, it wound me it wound me up that we immediately went back to the jones's trash idea
0: yeah no I think I think I meant did I mention last week maybe it was it the week before that I think I personally think that Dan Jones is the guy moving forward in this offensive scheme with Kafka with Dayball. and I think so far this season he's shown that he can succeed in this offense um and I still believe that I really truly still do believe still do believe that um like you said every player is allowed to have a bad game Yes, he threw two interceptions. Um, but you look at you look at his overall stats, um, and his stat line, it's not that bad. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I know we had to, you know, we very became very one dimensional um because uh Detroit stopped the run so well. Um, but you look at the overall stats 27 and 44 for 341 yards. Yeah, a touchdown pass, yes, two interceptions. So you know, you you look at that on any on any quarterback take off the two interceptions. It's like, oh, all right, it's a pretty good game. Three hundred forty-one yards, twenty-seven twenty-seven completions. You know, that's what that's higher than fifty percent completion rate. So you know, it's higher than a lot of quarterbacks have thrown recently. So he's not had a horrendous game. So yeah, those that are saying he's uh, you know he's trash and he this is the reason why moving forward, he's not the man. That's absolute rubbish. Um, he's shown more than enough this year so far um, as to why he is the man. He's shown me more why he is the man moving forward than why he isn't. And yeah, you you know, you look at the top quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes, he has bad games. Josh Allen, he has bad games. You know, there's so many, you know, all quarterbacks have a, have a bad game. Joe Burrows had more fucking bad games than I can remember. Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith's had bad games. I mean, how many bad games Geno Smith had in his career you know, Kirk Cousins had an absolute shocker at the weekend against Dallas. So, you know, these are all guys that are in the sort of top ten in the in the stats for this season so far, and they've all had bad games. Brady's had bad games this year. So, how can they, how can you turn around and say, "Yeah, this is why Dan Jones isn't the man"? No nah, bollocks, rubbish. To it. don't agree. Anyway, moving on. My player of the game. Um, it was bittersweet. Yeah, very bittersweet. Um, so I went with Wanda Robinson um, so the second round rookie had his breakout game as a, as a Giants receiver obviously with Dan Jones forced to go to the air due to our inability to run the game, uh, run the ball uh, had his biggest and best game yet bringing in nine catches um, for his first 100 yard game also led the team with 13 targets as well but yeah that bit of sweet that bit of irony um, is that our nice final catch that last, first play in the fourth quarter he made the catch, pushed out of bounds by two Lions defenders and he immediately clutched at his knee, uh, his right knee after landing. His knee buckled and then after the game finished, test results revealed our worst fears had come true. Right A- right ACL tear, he's done for the season. Absolutely good for the guy. Um, I'd really enjoyed watching up to this point. His, his progression and his improvement week to week was... Was clear to see he was becoming more confident as a receiver. Um, he was looking that like that slot receiver that we've been looking for for a few years. Um, you know, Shep's been great, um, but he sort of was starting to sort. He was sort of the torch had been carried over almost. Um, you know, past Shep's passed it over to Wondell, and he was looking like that really good quality slot receiver, and he had a great game. Um, but, yeah, it's such a shame to see him done for the year. He's going to be a big miss over the next seven weeks, the rest of the regular season, and potentially into the postseason as well. Uh, and you know His numbers weren't outstanding. 23 catches, 227 yards and a touchdown. But he's averaging 10 yards per reception, and 126 of those yards came after the catch. So he can make a play after the catch. He's not just going to be missed by the team. Uh, for the rest of the season but by us as well by the fans also and it leaves us even thinner at wide receiver so it makes you ask the question why is a player like Khalil Pimpton not being promoted from the practice squad give him a chance this week against Dallas and see what he can do the tiniest tiniest silver lining that could come out of this week um, is that my man Kenny Galladay <laughs> made his first catches since returning from injury um, bringing in two catches on two targets for 29 yards. So those butter hands, those butter fingers that were clear and evident last week, uh, they, they seem to sort of gone away this week. Um, and the first catch he, he made resulted in a standing ovation from the crowd at MetLife as well, which I thought was quite nice for him. Um, that would have been a huge boost for his confidence. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of the, the tiniest of silver linings for me.
1: Yeah, I... T- I, t- I t- <laughs> I, I totally agree i mean I, it it did make me chuckle when um you could see it. you heard the roar from the crowd when he when he caught that first first one which it was a good catch as well yeah. um I, I think both I think both of his catches were i mean they're catches I don't want to sound like kev here but um the catches you would expect him to make but he made them. You know, he he, he, if you're expect you're you're always expected to make a catch if it's within your you know your catch vicinity. But I think both of them were were good catches for you know, both of them as well were for first downs and let's hope it's 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 a spark. I mean he might not be as quick off, off the mark as, as he once was, but he's still a big bloke. You know, use your body to your advantage and box the man out and, and just make the catch. Absolutely. Um, and just to touch on what you were saying about about Wandale Robinson. I mean, it's, it's gutting. I, I think another thing that I'm not sure if many people have really thought about is that, you know, Odell Beckham tore his ACL um, in February. Uh, we're now what ten almost ten months later, yeah, almost almost ten months later. Uh, he's not on a team. He's obviously hopefully visiting with the Giants and the Cowboys after Thanksgiving. Um, I, I don't think we've got a chance in hell there. On if I come on, right.
0: come home, OBJ.
1: <laughs> but um, but my point is that there's a ten month differential between him tearing his ACL and being back. Now, my maths might be completely screwed and and I might be talking out my arse here, but I don't think Wondell Robinson makes it back before the beginning of next season.
0: And your maths isn't completely screwed at all because 10 months' time is September.
1: It's the end of September, isn't it? So um,
0: No, I, I think he misses camp. I think he misses pre-season. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he missed the first two games of the season as well. Which is such a shame. It's probably, like, it's probably going to be the best part of a year before we see him back on the field. So I'm gutted for him, really am. Um... Anyway, your player of the game, Craig,
1: Mr. Unsung hero, Andrew Thomas, the highest-graded offensive tackle in pass protection per PFF. I Mr. Mean, Reliable. Mr. Reliable. 76 snaps, played every snap on the offence this past week. 52 of those were pass-blocking snaps due to... The issues we've gone over again and again today. (laughs) We sound like a bit like a broken record now, I think. But, you know, 52 pass blocking snaps, not a single pressure again for the second consecutive game. His season total 682 snaps, 384 of them pass blocking, nine pressures, eight hurries, one QB hit. The man is all pro.
0: My guy, first team all pro, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, Christian Darrowsaw playing pretty, pretty damn well as well. But I'm sorry, Andrew Thomas, man, best,
1: best left tackle in the league. Admittedly, his his run blocking numbers weren't great, but who's were? Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Who's were? When you, you're when you've when you've got an you know yards per carry that we had, no one's getting plus numbers really, unless you're a wide receiver who's blocking on a few rushes.
0: Yeah, just outstanding. You, you, there are no more superlatives to say about that
1: man. No, but the, arguably the best player on the Giants roster right now.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: Barkley. Barkley's obviously, yeah. Barkley's playing well. Dex, Dex has been playing well. But I
0: think for consistency. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, the best on the roster.
1: Um,
0: Shane and Kev did send. I, I mean, Andrew Thomas, like that. I fully agree with your your player of the game. Now, I think he, uh, again, like we said, outstanding. Uh, Shane and Kev sent in their players of the game also. Uh, Shane went with Julian Love. He led the team of eight tackles, one tackle for loss, and one pass defended. Should have had an interception as well. He played every defensive snap and is doing better than what Shane thought he would uh, without Xavier McKinney next to him. So Shane went with Julian Love. Uh, and Kev went with Nick Gates. And he said he's just good to see him back playing. And the fact that Feliciano is now out injured, he, Nick Gates should be our starting center going forward for the rest of the season. So yeah, so four players of the game: Wanda Robinson, Thomas, Julian Love, Nick Gates. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can't disagree with the two picks. I think Julian Love was a lone shining star on that defense, and Nick Gates. I mean, he, I, I think he played better than Feliciano did, um, personally, and, so, um, I, and that's on top of the fact that he's clearly still going to have field rust after being yeah. out for so long. So absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, talking about moving forward, we're gonna uh move on and have a look at the uh the Dallas game coming up this weekend. Uh, so we'll see you on a short week following our horrendous loss to Detroit, we play on Thanksgiving Day Thursday on the road in Dallas, taking on the Cowboys, which is the second game of the traditional Thanksgiving triple header. Um, scheduled for 9.30pm UK time. Now the Cowboys opened the week on Monday as 7.5 point favourites and that jumped pretty quickly to 8 points. And it's now, we're we're on what, Tuesday, Tuesday evening? And it's now currently at 9 points. So uh, Dallas being given 9 points at home um, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, not looking great. Uh, over-unders currently 45.5 uh, and Dallas are clear favourites on the money line as well. So we're back to being underdogs, um, a position that's been pretty fruitful so far this year. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, the Giants and Cowboys have met 121 times um, since Dallas entered the league in 1960, but have played just once on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day itself. and. Uh, despite being divisional rivals for most of those 62 years. Uh, that one game on Thanksgiving came at Texas Stadium in 1992, and it didn't end very well for Big Blue, uh, losing 30-3 to three at the hands of Jimmy Johnson's dynastic Dallas Cowboys. Um, they've won 10 of the last 11 meetings, uh, with Big Blue's sole win in the last six seasons coming at MetLife in week 17 of that COVID-affected 2020 season. We have to go back to week one of 2016 for our last win at AT AT&T Stadium um, when we opened the year with a 20-19 to win uh, with Victor Cruz scoring a go-ahead fourth-quarter touchdown. Um, And we've only won two of the last 10 on the road in Dallas. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Uh, Craig, big blue breakdown. Let's go.
1: Well, <laughs> where do you start? The Cowboys are healthy. M- m- the you know, majority of them are now healthy. Um, Dak's firmly back in the game. Um, he's been back in for four games now. passing for 998 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Winning three of those four uh, games that he's been back for. Dominant wins against Detroit, Chicago and Minnesota who they absolutely decimated last weekend, 40-3 to on the road. I mean, the Vikings looked like one of the high seeds for the NFC and they were just picked apart. You know, Kirk Cousins was on his back consistently.
0: This is very much a a time when the team isn't as good as the record suggests, Um, you know. They're now what eight and two. I mean, they're, they're lucky to be eight and two, but don't get me wrong, Minnesota are a good team. But Dallas just completely outplayed them, yeah. And it was in, in Minnesota as well,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, they obviously handed us our first loss of the season in week three, um, 23 16 at MetLife. Um, and they are pretty good on the ground, you know, double headed rushing attack of Zeke and Tony Pollard. Pollard Leads a team with seven hundred one yards, six touchdowns, one hundred eighteen attempts. He has less attempts than Zeke. He has more yards than Zeke.
0: Yes, over over two hundred yards more. I think he's rushing five point seven yards per carry, and Zeke's at
1: three point seven. It's yeah, it's um a formidable attack. Let's put it that way. Um, CD Lamb leads their receiving charts: fifty-eight catches, seven hundred fifty-one yards, five touchdowns. 39 of those 58 catches for first downs. Um, They're currently seventh in the league with 25.1 points per game compared to our 20.5 points per game, averaging 209.4 passing yards, 136.2 yards on the ground versus our 177 through the air and 157 on the ground. So they are pass. They're not bad in the passing attack either.
0: No. Obviously, they're more pass-heavy, but they've got a good run game as well.
1: Yeah, um, they're defensively lead the league in only allowing 16.7 points per game compared to 20.4 for us. Run defences are pretty much identical, only allowing 0.2 yards per game more on the ground than than us compared to 174.5 through the air versus our 211. So there's causes for concern. They also have a plus seven turnover differential, which is a joint third best in the league behind Baltimore and Philly. Um, seven picks and nine fumble recoveries with nine giveaways, seven picks and two fumbles.
0: It's uh it's gonna be a tough game on Thursday night. One thing we've got to do is we've got to get that ground game going but back going again. Barkley needs to he needs to put some he needs to put yards on their defense. Um their their run defence is just as just as good as ours. I mean, we had a shock. We had a shocker the week, the weekend just gone. But, but yeah, they run. they statistically, they run defenses just as good as ours, or just as bad as ours, whichever way you want to put it. Um. So you know, we can put yards on the ground against them. Yeah, you know, one hundred thirty-six point one rushing yards per game they're allowing. There's no reason why we can't. Barkley rushed for eighty-one yards and Jones for seventy-nine in the week three game. So we can put some big big numbers on the ground against them. The Cowboys have allowed a league-low 23 explosive plays in total, six of those being on the ground, 17 through the air. But their defence is one of the best units in the league by lots of metrics. That's a league-low points per game, league-low passing yards per game, and they're eighth-best in yards allowed. So it's going to be tough going against their defence. I mean, standout player for that defence is Mr. Michael Parsons, Current reigning defensive rookie of the year, he's just he's just something else, isn't he, Michael Parsons? But something we could, if we if we do struggle on the ground, something we could use to exploit them is using Barkley as a receiver as well. Um, his highest yardage total was against Dallas with four catches for forty-five yards, and he's become a vital part of pass protection as well. It's going to be it's going to be tough going, but there's diff- there's ways we can exploit their defense. So yeah, that's 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 my sort of key to getting the win at the on Thursday night against Dallas is get that ground game going. Um and if we can get that ground game going, it opens up play action and takes a bit of weight off the shoulders of Dan Jones. So he can he doesn't have to doesn't feel like he has to force a pass in there. And he can play mistake free football like we've seen him play over the last you know few weeks before the Detroit game.
1: Yeah, I think my biggest key to, to this game is going to be can we keep daniel jones upright the cowboys hit jones for uh five sacks back in um week 3 when we played uh played them last and you know he does have a tendency to be under pressure quite a bit the pass rush extends well beyond the sacks as as well because in that week 3 game he was pressured almost every time he dropped back and, and, you know, had to scramble. And we know he has got better with his legs and he's got better at at protecting the ball as well, but he's really going to need some help this week. I mean, the biggest problem is Dallas leads the league in sacks, 42 sacks already this season. Um, The next closest are the Patriots, who have 36. We have 20. You know, Micah Parsons potentially is coming off an injury we're
0: in practice today
1: no so you know we're not too sure how kind of whether he's going to play if he does play how well he's going to to perform but I mean it's not like they don't have other pass rushers I mean they've had so many players contribute to Sacks this year it's terrifying man. you know our offensive line I would say played better since week three week three was was a bit of a low point um but it, it's going to be rough Andrew Thomas can only do so much on his side that interior is gonna need to be stout and right tackle I mean right tackles a worry at the moment Phillips wasn't wasn't great perk came in after Phillips Phillips got injured didn't he um in the Lions game yeah. perk, perk came in and looked Rusty as hell, which you're going to expect. I mean, I don't think the man's seen a football field for a while for any extended time. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. A real tough one.
0: It is. Um, yeah, talking about the Dallas pass rush, I mean, Michael Parsons currently third in the league with 10 sacks through 10 games. Durant's Armstrong, seven sacks through 10 games. Demarcus Lawrence, six sacks through 10 games. Those those three alone, that's 23 sacks between three players. Um, that's a fearsome pass rush. And we've got a, our offensive line has to be at its absolute best to even come close to stopping them. Um, I, I can virtually guarantee one player that's not going to give up any sacks, and that's Andrew Thomas. The rest of the line, it's it's a huge concern, especially with the injury problems we've got on the line. Um, Evan Neal. Whether he goes or not on Thursday, I think it's a bit too soon for him. Obviously, I don't did he. He was limited in practice today, wasn't he?
1: From, from what I understand, it's going to be a game time decision, um, and yeah. it almost feels like that game time decision should be let's rest him another week, kind of like what we're doing for Aziz Ojolari, who hasn't been activated from IR for the sole reason that it's a short week and then there's not a lot of practices. I think, I think the short week will. Go against Evan Neal, uh, and I think yeah. I think it will either be Phillips.
0: Give him, give him that extra ten days to rest mm. and rehab and recuperate. Uh, as you know, as much as I want to see Evan Neal back in that in that right tackle slot, I think making you know, pl- playing him this week this week would be a little bit too soon. Um, the fact that he's limited in practice, and it's Tuesday, and we play in two days' time. Uh, I think it's I think it's too much of a risk to put him in. Um but yeah, it's it's gonna be a difficult a difficult game. It really is. Dallas are on like I said, won three of the last four. They lost to Green Bay in overtime two weeks ago, but those other three won, those those other three wins um have been pretty damn dominant. Um obviously forty to three the weekend just gone
1: and uh forty nine twenty nine against Chicago. We haven't even scored over 30 points this year and they've scored 40 twice in the last few weeks.
0: 49-29 in week eight and against against Chicago and uh, 24-6 to against the team that just beat us, the Detroit Lions. I mean, I know that's not a, a huge points total they put on the board, but they held the Detroit Lions to six points. We've just allowed 31 against them.
1: Yeah, and and I know we've just obviously I've just spoken about the pass rush, um, but one thing that's occurred to me as 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 you were talking then is obviously with a Dory Jackson out, well, McKinney's still out, Robinson's out, Belton's questionable. Our secondary is struggling. Our secondary is going to have to play well above their station mm-hmm. this week uh, for us to even have a yeah, chance. There's going
0: to be a lot of. Uh, I mean, if we if we can't get to the quarterback there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on that secondary to make some plays. Um, and when you've got receivers like C.D. Lamb running at you and making plays like he does. Um, I mean, I'm just glad that Amari Cooper is no longer on the team because if Lamb was one side and Amari Cooper was the other, then Dallas would be having a field day and I think they would probably put up something like a 50-burger against us. <laughs>
1: I don't know if it comes across on the podcast, but we are not optimistic No,
0: yet. and I think the fact because we've you know it was it six players got injured against Detroit, we've come up obviously come off a bad loss. We're on a short week, we're going on the road to Dallas against, you know, a team that just absolutely blew out the Minnesota Vikings. The number one the at the time they were joint number one seeds in the NFC. It's not looking promising. Um you never know, stranger things have happened you know it could it could be a, a a low scoring close game but the the likelihood is i think dallas probably come away with a win here because they've 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 not got many injury problems or of of note anyway and i think we're missing we're missing too many key pieces in our both our offense and our defense so yeah i think it's going to be a it's going to be a rough day i think um and we might just have to sort of suck it up and move on to week 13 (laughs) um so yeah predictions time so kevin shane both sent their predictions in and unsurprisingly disappointingly i know but unsurprisingly they've both gone for a, a dallas win kev's gone for a 35 to 21 dallas win shane's gone for an even more comprehensive cowboys win 31 13 craig your prediction
1: I think I've gone slightly closer, but it's still with them putting up thirty points against us. So thirty to twenty, I think Cowboys win.
0: I've gone with the Dallas win. Um, I was I'm in an iron weather to go with a Detroit win last week, and my my heart overruled my head. I'm not going to allow my heart to overrule my head this week. Uh, I've gone for a Cowboys win. So it's a it's a full sweep for on on the side of Dallas this week, which pains me to say. Uh, but I've gone for a 27-20 Cowboys win. Um, and one thing I was putting, I dropped in the group chat yesterday was I don't see us scoring more than 30 points the rest of the season. Uh, so, yeah, sort of a little bold prediction there. Win under 30 points every game for the rest of the season. you just got to look at our schedule coming up. D- Dallas this week, uh, Washington next week, who are... They're on a run themselves. Taylor Heineke sort of turning things around in Washington. And we're then at home to Philadelphia, week 14. We then go on the road to Washington, week 15. We're then on the road at Minnesota, week 16. We're then at home to the Colts in week 17. And then finally, we round out the season on the road in Philadelphia in week 18. So the fact that we're only averaging 20 points a game, I don't see us scoring more than 30, well 30 or more points in any of those games. I think the only one we might is probably against Indy but even still they're on a bit of a sort of renaissance themselves. I mean they pushed Philly all the way this weekend and if it wasn't for a missed field goal they would have won the game. So yeah, it's going to be a, a it's a tough last seven weeks of the season. We've got the the most difficult um, last seven games of the season on paper i think our opponent has a 0.678 record average you know so it's essentially like it's a bloody hard um end to the season but the fact that we had a good start to the season sort of puts us in relatively good shape you know even if we don't make the playoffs at the end of the season it's not going to be the be one end all because we've had a had a good had a, had a, a much better season than we expected and there's been progress so yeah it's a tough running but you know that tough running starts on Thursday against Dallas and you know we kind of got you've got to take it one game at a time
1: yeah there's nothing more you can really say I think one thing just to bear in mind is that obviously expectations at the beginning of the season were it was a rebuild year you look at our roster and we've performed well above what we should be performing at um We've got to roll with the punches now. Uh, as we've as we've all said, none of us are optimistic about this weekend. We've all gone for a Dallas win. If the unexpected happens, and bear in mind this is the NFL and anything can happen and any given Sunday. Yeah, and stranger things have happened. But I think if we do lose this game, I don't think we should beat ourselves up over it. I think we move on to Washington. We focus on that. All that we ask for, and it's all that we ever ask for as fans, is to be competitive. It's to be competitive enough. You know, don't roll over and let them walk all over us. Give as good as as we get and keep it tight. And you keep it tight, anything can happen.
0: Exactly. And I mean, yeah, we go to Washington next week. They play um, Sunday at home to Atlanta, who themselves don't look horrendously bad so that's going to be an interesting game to watch so if you know if Atlanta win that then obviously Washington are coming off the back of a loss as well so it could make the game against uh, against Washington a bit more interesting but yeah we'll see but I think like I fully agree with what he said you know we this is a rebuild year we were performing above all expectations over the first half of the season and I think yeah we've maybe got a little bit overconfident like I said earlier on but you know, last week against Detroit was a, a back, you know, sort of brought us back to reality, sort of a big reality check. And it made us realise that there are plenty of weaknesses and frailties on this team that teams are exposing. So, you know, the, the, the running for the rest of the season, like I said, is very tough. And I think we now have to be realistic about the rest of the season. And I think it's it's made us, this loss to Detroit has made us think and feel more realistically, about the rest of the season, that's our predictions for this weekend. We'll see what happens. You know, hopefully, hopefully we're all wrong, but there we go. Uh, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we will be back next time to bring you our take on the Dallas game, uh, plus a week look ahead to that week thirteen game back at MetLife against Washington. Anything you want to add before we go, buddy?
1: Yeah, to all of our American listeners, have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your turkey day. Uh, as much as you can with the football, regardless of the result, have a good time. Uh, And anybody else, obviously keep interacting with us on the socials, Uh, likes, retweets, uh, like the podcast, you know, subscribe, review, rate, five stars, all the lovely stuff that Shane would normally say. But yeah, let's, you know, let's see what happens this weekend. And uh, we'll be back next week to uh, let you know what we thought. We
0: absolutely will, and hopefully Shane and Kevin will be back with us next week as well to yeah bring you everything from the the Dallas game, like I said, and then looking forward ahead to, uh, to Washington. Yeah, subscribe to get the latest updates. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Just search for Big Blue UK and Ireland. Uh, we'll also up the mail. Also going to open up the mailbag next time around as well. So get those questions in for us via all the usual ways. Uh, My thanks, as ever, goes to Craig for joining me. And to you, the listeners, for tuning in. Eight and three, could it be? We're signing off until next time.